0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Wow. Lord, there's so much going to happen tonight. I just ask you, Lord God, to help me and everyone else to get out of your way. The stage has been set just to see heaven touch this place. The Spirit of God being poured out in this place. Lives being changed right before our eyes. Manifestations of that which has been said, that which has been spoken, and that which shall be spoken even here tonight. Father, we're grateful. We don't sometimes know how to express it like we we should. It'd be easier to pray in other tongues right now. But we know, Lord God, that you are faithful to do not only what you've done in this church up to this point, but what you're about to do in this church and with these pastors and their staff. I caught a vision of it Tuesday night, and I thank you, Lord, at the right time, we'll reveal that, for it shall be grand. It shall be amazing. Hearts and lives shall be so changed that it'll be said not only of your pastors, but of this church. It's like somebody turned them inside out, upside down, and they're different people. For the glory of the Lord, even from this moment, begins to descend in this place. Hover upon us and move within our hearts. And I thank you, Lord God. It shall be wonderful what you'll do here in just a few moments in your precious name. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, you can tell it's a little heavy, you know, praying a prayer like that. But, um, you know, I'm betting cleanup, so. title of our message tonight is demolition. (laughs) And I don't give titles, you know. I'm not smart enough to get a good one. But some stuff's going to start happening here. Devil's head's going to roll. Amen. I'm tired of that little slimy guy thinking he can push his way around in the church. Amen. And in the world and just do whatever he pleases, like as though there's not a church here, the body of Christ, to stand against him and push back. Amen. Amen. I may be a little ahead of myself, but there's some things getting ready to happen, praise the Lord tonight, and the Lord's revealed a bunch of it to me, but just in prayer and in my time of preparation, but it's just so glad to be able to be here. Aaron is as well. You know, when you're with family, you, know, you see one another as family, but I can bypass all that, and so can Aaron. Um, we just love this church. Amen. We love your pastors. We watch you guys when uh, we're, we're not on the road. Um, you know, we, we watch on, on television and just enjoy so much. Of course, you know, our niece is up there singing, and now her husband. We're so thrilled with, with their lives and what they're doing. Um, and I better not talk that way because then you get emotional. Excuse me for a second. Wow, that that just hit like a brick. Amen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amen. So anyhow, it's it's awesome <laughs> what the Lord's doing here. Amen. We have a real heart for what's going on. I've I've told you, Pastor, before, the easiest thing would have been when the Lord sent us to Colorado is just to have actually missed Colorado and come to Boise and been a part of what you guys are doing here. Uh, But that's not what he wanted. And we're in Colorado right now in Castle Rock, and uh, we've started kind of limping a little bit, but that's okay, just as long as you get some forward motion. We've started our healing center just a couple of nights a month until the end of the year. And then the first of the year, we want to be three nights a week every week. And so there's some changes getting ready to happen. The Lord's maneuvering us and putting us in some really good places. Our first night, you know, one of my friends called me up and he, wasn't, he said, I promise I'm not trying to be a downer, but um, my, uh, my sister-in-law and her husband, when they started their church and they've got a wonderful church right now, I think they've got a few hundred people and just doing great in the city of Chicago. But he said their first night he said they, uh, well, actually, no one showed up, and after about 40 minutes, they just closed the door and said, let's go eat. <laughs> that was how they started, you know. And he was just trying to encourage me in case, you know. <laughs> so uh, we did a little better than no one. We had one. And I, I preached her a little sermonette, you know, and then she had pain all in her body, you know, and all, couldn't move certain ways, you know, and arthritis and stuff. And so then we started to minister to her. And she started getting a little bit healed. And then I just thought, you know, go big or go home. I, I worked her over so well, I knocked her flat on the floor. Aaron's like, yeah. And I'm, think, I'm thinking, go big or go home. You know what I mean? Go to jail or get her healed. One of the two. And I worked her over, man, until she came up saying, man, that feels good. Praise the Lord. So... We're going to start with one. We're going to get that one healed. Amen. Somehow, some way. Amen. I know that's not a good advertisement for you all to come down there. I realize that. Probably won't see anybody there from Boise for a while. Good things are happening, and we're just thankful to be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm so thrilled to be in this day that we're living in. Amen. My life, my ministry is always done better when I'm under some heat. Amen. So to the devil, go ahead and bring it all. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you could put my ministry under, put it under. I can't tell you how many times people said, well, if you do that, you might lose your ministry. I thought, well, that's a sure sign right there. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Because if I can lose it, that'd be good to know that now. Amen. Then go do something else. (laughs) <laughs> years ago we did we were asked to do uh, a youth camp and uh, I respected the pastor so much and was shocked that he called me I was at Rama, you know and sitting at my desk just preparing for one of my 550 sermons a year for the for 10 years in a row it was just crazy time and he calls and I just said yes without even thinking 300 youth down in Panama City we had a couple of, uh, our little two girls at that time And we ended up with three, but two girls, and so they said, we'll bring your whole family down, it's all paid for, we'll be there by the beach, there'll be pool, you know, Commander Kelly, back in those days, you know, she's got her ministry, so the kids can be in there, you can swim in the afternoon. We thought, man, this is, I said, yes, I'll do it. About five minutes after I said yes and hung up the phone, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't do youth. (laughs) And then I thought, I'm not even cool anymore. So. I, I called up the youth guy and I said, what are the words you guys use now? Because I started getting real nervous, you know, and he said, back in, back in that day, this is about 23, four years ago, he said, well, the words are fresh and tight. I said, come on, wait, 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 say that again. He said, fresh and tight. I said, you got to be kidding me, that's, that's all you've come up with? I said, tight is when you eat too much and your belt's tight. Fresh is when you said something in my day to a girl, and they hit you because you were fresh. Or it rains, and it smells fresh outside. So I thought, I'm going to stick with cool, you know? So then I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, can you give me an equalizer? And when I said that, I had, I had a vision. Now, I got so excited I had a vision, I almost ruined the vision. I mean, right in the middle, of it, I said, my God, I'm having a vision. And then it almost disappeared, you know? And I saw myself arm wrestle the strongest man in that room. And wager the whole meeting on whether I could whip him. What, what, what are you so quiet about? Are you thinking that being possible? I saw myself beat him with the anointing, the presence of God. Well, in that vision, man, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm just like, glory, this is awesome. That whole day, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't contain myself until I got home, and I told Erin, I thought she'd be so excited, and she looked at me real dry and said, you're really going to do that? <laughs> and then for the first time in about four hours, I thought, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not going to do that. So for the next couple of months, I'm going back and forth vacillating, am I going to do it, am I not going to do it? You know, someone got healed, came out of a wheelchair in healing school, I'm doing it, bless God. You know, Then I smacked somebody, and they didn't get healed, and they all wanted to smack me back, and I thought, I'm not doing it. <laughs> this went back and forth. A couple of weeks before we went down there, some of our friends came to the meeting that actually were, were uh, friends with this pastor, and that's where they went to church. So I thought these people would be the perfect people to tell them about what I'm going to do, and I'm sure they're going to be excited. And after that I told them, they just looked at me, and they said, Jim we have seen people lose their ministry doing things like this. You've got to know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, say it with me, that you know. Otherwise, you'll lose your ministry. And they went on just a little bit more. And I just sat there and just listened and listened. And I finally looked at them and I said, you know, I don't know what I would have done without you. I said, this is so timely. Thank you so much for saving my ministry. And they said, well, you know, we just wanted to help. And they're, they're like amazing friends to us right now. But that, that was just a fun example. And then as they went to bed, I looked, at, I, I called them, I said, Hey, you guys. And they said, What? Is that? I'm going to do it. <laughs> and they said, Why? I said, Because if I can lose my ministry, I've been trying. Amen. This is an awesome opportunity to do it. <laughs> Amen. Do I, do I have to tell the rest of it? <laughs> oh. That's the only thing about starting that story. No one ever lets you get away with not finishing it. Okay, so here's what happened. We, we got there and Erin was so in phase, she sat in the back room right next to the doors, just so she could. <clears throat> so if it really went bad, she could get out, no. She was just sitting back there and I'm up, I'm up in the front and the worship leader is in a golf shirt. And, and the shirt stopped right here in the valley. Because the mountains were so big, it couldn't couldn't get over. He didn't have a neck. It was just a head on a a very veed shoulder. And every time he said, let's lift our hands and praise God, it seemed like he was doing this right to me. So I'm down there thinking, you know... I've done some really crazy things in my life, but maybe this is going to just take the cake. Lord, are you sure? You know, and then I thought to myself, lose your ministry. Yes, I want to lose my ministry. Okay, let's just do this. (laughs) So they finally gave me the microphone, and I stood up in front of those 300 kids, and I said, now, I said, I'm either going to stay here and minister, or I'm going to leave in a matter of a few minutes. You can get somebody else to preach. I said, who's the strongest man in this room? I'm going to dare him to arm wrestle me in front of all of you, and if I can't beat him, I'm leaving to get somebody else to preach." Well, the whole 300 pointed right over here to the worship leader. Now, if that's not bad enough, his name was Andre. You got a little David and Goliath thing going on here? Y'all remember WWF wrestlers? In the old days, Andre the Giant, so that's the first thing that came to my mind. Oh, great. He's not only buffed, but his name is Andre. This is fun. (laughs) And all I could think of was, you know, heaven right now. What are the grandstands doing? They're laughing their heads off, (laughs) thinking, Hockaday, such an idiot. He's going to do this. (laughs) So I thought if I challenged him in a real, like, in-your-face way, maybe he wouldn't get up. So I said, Andre, I said, if you dare... To come down here and arm wrestle me i'm gonna whip you in front of every single one here i said i give you a choice right now you can stay seated and that'd be fine or you can get up and i'm gonna whip you and i'm thinking he's just gonna go like oh my gosh i I, i'm just gonna pass but he got up and then i gotta demonstrate this and then did you see that my legs didn't didn't rub each other while i walked He walked like this, because the tree trunks rubbed each other right here. (laughs) So he's walking to me, walking like that. And on the inside, you know, I'm just thinking, God, if you're not here, like if for some reason you go out for a coffee or something right now, I will never (laughs) let you down. Never let you down. So I, I just endeavored, you know, to keep my cool. And about 10 feet from me, He's walking like this, and all of a sudden, he stops, and I literally saw, like a pinball machine, his eyes went to ding, 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 da-ding, ding, ding. ding. It just went like this, and his eyes crossed and went back and crossed again, and all of a sudden, he's trying trying to find balance because the Holy Ghost hit him, and when I saw that, it, it kind of made me a little bit sassy. I said, want a piece of me, big boy? Come on right there. And the next 10 steps looked like he would not have passed his DWI walking the line. It was like this. Just trying to get down there, you know. And so there was a perfect little place for us to be able to put our arms together. And once we grabbed hands, I looked over at Marcus Whitman. Remember Marcus and Paige were up in Cheyenne? Uh, Well, maybe you didn't know that. Do you know that, Chuck? Okay. And, And he's down on the front row. And I said, Marcus, come on over here and referee. Well, the moment he touched our hands, the power of God hit him. He fell over on Andre. I said, get off him. I don't need your help. And he went ahead and started us. And you could just see Andre giving everything he got. But he doesn't have anything because God's on him. It wasn't that God made me so strong, which I was a little bit mad about. I thought he'd increase my strength, you know, but he took his away. So, you know, I just played with him. Oh, my gosh, you're getting Oh, no, you're not. And, and when I look back, those 300 youth were like three and four high in the first three rows. They were all down here going with big old eyes, just staring. And then, of course, you know, the moment came and I just went boom, 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 like that. <laughs> And when that happened, those kids took off running, and there were miracles. God's touching people, and we started off just a glorious meeting. So, who's the strongest man in the room here today? Big day, big day, 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 day. That's awesome. Amen. Well, the Lord didn't show me that for tonight, so I would lose my ministry. Maybe we'll do it later. Well, we just got a few little products out there. We didn't bring enough for everybody, so there's just a little sample out there if somebody want to go out. A couple of books that we've got. One's Identity Crisis. Uh, we're in an identity crisis. Hello? I mean, our grandparents that have gone on to be with the Lord, if they saw what we're living in today, huh? They would die twice. (laughs) Amen. It's it's a crazy world out there. Thank God that we know who we are in Christ. Amen. And so that, that book's all about being made in the image and likeness of God. You know, image and likeness means representation and manifestation. We are a representation of God, just like him in every way. And we are a manifestation of We're we're trying so hard to get manifestations when that's a part of our fiber, part of our makeup. This book right here is called The Miraculous Gospel of John. It is a commentary to the Gospel of John. In fact, there's a couple of universities that use this as their textbook. And it's just really, really good. God helped me to write this with uh, with a slant to the ministry of Jesus, that how does he think? And we get in there with what he says and what he does and try to decipher. Why did he say that? Why did he do that? Because when you start to think like him, you'll start to actually receive and manifest just like he does. Amen? So those are a couple of the thoughts that we have out there. I just thank God tonight for the anointing of the Spirit of God that's in this place. Amen? Amen. Will you agree with me that God will have free course to do exactly as he wants to tonight? Amen? We have been so blessed to be a part of Life Church from its inception of knowing uh, your pastors when they were actually over at Amazing Grace. And I noticed right away, you know, because I'm over in prayer school and healing school, and of course, we're we're family at that point. Aaron and I just celebrated our 30th anniversary, amen, back in July. And so that's how far back we go when your pastor was was, uh, a youth pastor. And right away from those very beginning days, I noticed uh, that Pastor Mark, he was really quick to get in there and begin to work with the youth in a way that he could get results with the youth. Amen? Amen. You know, some folks are afraid of the youth, but the youth are just looking for reality. And if there's any one that God would like to show reality to, it'd be our young people. Amen? Amen? Show them what's really real. So I remember back then you know, some of the conversations we'd had, just testimonies that he'd be able to give me from sharing how God was touching, manifesting, healing, delivering, and and just really changing the youth, not just with the messages that were preached, but with the power of Christ, amen. And so that really defines what's going on here at this church. This isn't just a church where we're sharing or you've been shared with all kinds of wonderful truth, even though you have, but there's been a demonstration of God throughout the whole time. Amen. So it makes it a little bit unique. There's a lot of churches right now where people are running away to the opposite side of that, to actually dumb things down a little bit so that, in a sense, we cater to the people. We're going to make it so that you just like to come here and make it fun, you know, in a non-spiritual way. But it's time actually for us to ramp it up in the spirit. Praise the Lord. People need to be changed by the power of the word and the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Where the change is lasting. It's not just another concept about a God they haven't met. It's actually the experience of the person. Amen? And so I'm so thankful for the 20 years, amen, that has, has come thus far. But uh, as the Lord moves on me to share some of the things that I saw, wait till you see what's just getting ready to happen. You're very privileged people to be in this time and this hour and to actually be here in Boise, Idaho. Amen? Because there's rain getting ready to fall in this place like you haven't seen before. Amen? <clears throat> and the, the, the blessing of what's getting ready to happen, this is this just give you a little a bird's eye of what I saw, it's not just the increase, and yet it is an amazing increase in the leadership and in those that are a part of this ministry and leadership, but the coolest thing is going to be, I saw God touching people and the rain and the glory of God touching you and energizing you in the pew to do things out in your community that will cause people to run to this church. I'm telling you, you you have to have more space because you're not going to be able to contain what's getting ready to happen. And God is getting ready to do this type of thing all over the United States, all over the world with people that are tuned in. They're going to have to be tuned into the voice of God to know how to get a bigger place. Amen. Because the harvest is coming in. Praise God. When things start to get dark and people will flow with the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, those churches will walk in such brilliance and such light that it will put to shame the works of the devil. Amen. So I'm really excited about what's going on here in this church. And I can't wait just to share a few little things with you and then let God touch some people in your bodies. Amen. I mean, someone here tonight, you came here and, uh, You you came in faith because you've been having some difficulty in uh, your head as far as symptoms of a migraine that have already come on you. In fact, while this service has been going on, uh, you've been having still some of those symptoms. But from this very moment, in the next couple of minutes, you'll be able to raise your hand and say they've all just disappeared. Amen. Somebody's knee right here, right now. We don't have to go too much further. Do you know that it's interesting in the scriptures, Jesus said to the 12 disciples, he said, preach the gospel and then heal the sick. To the 70 disciples, he said, heal the sick, then preach the gospel. He changed it. He said, how come? Well, no, we don't even know who the 70 are to this day. So if you don't know who somebody is, you're probably not going to listen to them. So why did he change it? Because if you heal somebody, somebody will listen to you. Last night, Pastor Mark's talking about generosity and how he's blessed so many people with a couple hundred dollars here or or a few hundred dollars there, and how much better it is that they listen. We'll heal their body, they'll listen. Cast out that devil, they'll listen. Amen. Cause that pain to disappear, and they'll listen. So that's why Jesus switched that around to the 70, because they weren't high profile. The 12 were high profile. Everybody knew who they were. They traveled with Jesus. You know, I mean, think about the, the ten to 30,000 people that got fed out in those fields, right? Well, who, was, who were the waiters? Peter and John, James, and the rest of them, right? So that's the reason why when Jesus was taken away by the centurion to be flogged, Peter came at a distance behind him, and one of those little gals there, while they were warming themselves at the fire, said, aren't you one of the ones that travel with Jesus? And he denied it. Well, how'd she know him? Remember, high profile, that's why Jesus said you can preach the gospel because they'll know you, they'll recognize you, and they'll listen to you. So we don't have to say a whole lot before God starts to heal. And somebody's knee is being healed right now. Amen. In the next few minutes, as the Lord prompts you, what do you mean? You'll just see yourself running around the room. Well, then do it. Whose sermon is that? That's your pastor's sermon, Monday night. You want to see heaven start to move? The manifest presence of heaven begins to move as you begin to pay attention to the Spirit of God. Amen. What he's saying in the word of God that goes off into your heart or what he says in your heart or in your mind, amen, is the way that Jesus lived. He lived out of seeing what the Father showed him or saying what the Father said to him. Why would we want to create a different kind of life? If he lived that way constantly, wouldn't we want to duplicate that or imitate, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate him. Let's just imitate that. Let's start to see what he shows us. Let's start to say what he tells us. There's some things that he's telling people in this room right now. You, ju- you might just think, well, you know, I don't want to you know, embarrass anybody, embarrass myself, and just kind of you know, be crazy and get up and run or something like that. You know, This is, this is a wild meeting tonight. Just letting you know it. We, we, we're not looking at it just yet, but it is. Okay? It's a who's the strongest man in the room tonight meeting. Okay? It's like lose your ministry meeting tonight. All right? like boldness, demolition, destroy the works of the devil. Praise the Lord. Get that little slimy guy off of you where he's not affecting you anymore. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Word of God for just a moment. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So over in Numbers chapter 23, I thought this was appropriate. It says in the Message Bible, God listened to Israel's prayer and gave them the Canaanites. They destroyed both them and their towns. A holy destruction. And they named the place Horma. So this is a Horma meeting. What does it mean? Holy destruction. Do you know the life of God is not only constructive, but it's also destructive. Over in 2 Corinthians, the aroma of God is death to those that are dying, but life to those that are living. Every bacteria, disease, germ, virus, infection is dying. So the aroma of God is death to those things that are dying, but it's life to those things that are living. We're alive. We're living. It's life to us, and at the same time, it's death to the things of Satan, or death to the destruction that's in the earth. So I'm down in Jerome, Twin Falls, same area right in there. And we're playing golf a few years ago. Pastor Mark's brother, Kevin, invited me to be his teammate in a member guest golf tournament there at Blue Lakes. He invited me two years in a row, and then I haven't been invited in about 20 years. So I think that must say something, amen. The second year he invited me because I had met a you know, bunch of different guys. There was one by, guy by the name of Alan. I know his last name as well, but I, I won't give you that. And Alan was the type of guy, I mean, he was just a, a real handsome guy, probably in his 55, 56 or so, maybe 57 back then. I don't know, maybe, maybe in his late 40s. But, but I looked at a guy like him and thought, you know, he's the kind of guy that would run for mayor, in other words, he's always, you know, with the guys, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's everybody doing? Hey, I'm... it's like you're running for mayor, you know what I mean? You're campaigning. The second year I came, he looked really thin. His hair was all salt and peppered when it was really dark, black, and thick the year before. He looked real gaunt, that word where just like his face was just like we a drawn in, his eyes were real dark, and he looked really skinny. So obviously he's got some type of a problem. I looked at my brother-in-law, Kevin, and I said, what happened to Alan? He said, well, I heard there's some real serious problems that he's had, and he's been really sick for quite some time. And so just out of courtesy, I said, do you mind if I talk with him? And he looked at me and said, no, go, go ahead. So I walked over to him. And I said, hey, Alan. And he turned around and kind of looked at me, just, to, just gathering his thoughts of who I was. I said, Jim Hockaday. He said, that's right, Jim. I said, um, uh, Kevin, yeah, you're, you're Kevin uh, Bohr's um, brother-in-law. I said, that's right. I said, listen, I don't mean to be nosy, but I just want to ask you, what's going on? I, I can tell something serious is happening in your body. He said, well, um, seven months ago or so, I think that was about what he said, seven months ago, they discovered that I had a prostate can- or cancer um, in the last stages. And he said, actually, there were eight of us at the hospital when they diagnosed me that were diagnosed at the same time with the exact same thing and the exact same condition, and, and I said, so where is it all at? And he said, well, he said, actually, um, next week. So this was like a, th- a Thursday. He said, next week, he said, they're turning me out to see. That's the word he used, the phrase he used. They're turning me out to see. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, they've done everything that they can do. He said, they've told me next week. He said, will be the end of all your treatments. There's nothing else that we can do. I said, they gave you no hope. He said, no. And he said, I've spent a fortune going around the world trying to find alternative methods, and nothing has helped me. I said, so as far as they're concerned, you're going to die. He said, that's right. I said, and there's no hope. He said, no, as far as they say, there's no hope. I said, well, I can help you. And he looked at me and said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, you remember what I am? He said, "Well, you're a preacher." And I could just look by the way he said that, he's thinking when I die, he's going <laughs> to He's thinking he's going to bury me, you know? I can help get your soul to heaven. I'll just He said, well, "You're a preacher." I said, "That's right." He said, "Well, what are you going to do?" I said, "I'm going to kill your cancer." and stared him right down. He said, how are you gonna do that? And I said, I guess you'll just have to find out tomorrow. <laughs> and I walked away. Didn't say bye, didn't say nothing. Now you say, did you plan that? No, I didn't plan that. Did you do that to everybody? Is that your kind of line? No, it's just he ticked me off. He said, there's nothing that can be done. That's a lead-in. I was preaching at this place down in Mississippi. Mississippi. And this pastor's there, and I preach this kind of stuff. And he got up, and he he said, this has changed my life tonight. He said, I have to tell you a story, because in this story is my repentance in front of all of you. He said, I was at a laundromat. And he said, I was doing some laundry, and he said, I'm just sitting there, and this guy walks in, and I noticed he was really hurting. He grimaced at, almost at everything that he did. He came over and sat down by me, and I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, I'm not doing well. He said, I'm, my body's just racked full of pain. He said, I've been to every doctor I can find. No one can help me. I've been to chiropractors. No one can help me. He said, I just wish there was somebody that could help me. And that pastor started crying, and he said, I didn't say anything. He said, I'll never not say anything ever again after what I heard tonight. When he said, there's no one that can help me, so what am I going to do? He said, well, I'm just so sorry about that. And here I am filled with God. God's walking around in my shoes. God's living in my laundry. I'm Jesus with skin on. Huh? What are you going to say? That's a lead-in. How are you going to say it? Well, you know, buddy, uh, let's just believe together and see if we can't get God to like (laughs) you. Let me tell you, over all these years, 33 years of doing this, if you say something like, well, we're just believing with you, they're going to die because you haven't put anything into them. You just left it hanging. We're going to believe with you. Well, that don't mean anything. So what'd you say? I'm going to kill your cancer. How are you going to do that? Well, now I got him. He's responding to me. So now it's it's my my deal, not his. Right? I was in this one church and I'm laying hands on people. Again, it was Mississippi. Actually, it wasn't. It was North Carolina. And I'm I'm just messing with my friends over here. And I'm laying hands on people. And usually people are within the you know the five foot to the six foot three or four range, you know? And I went like this, and the next guy went, whoa. And I was gonna have to go way up here to lay hands on. And the guy was built like a truck, you know? He had shoulders like PJ, but he, but he had, I'm sorry to say the next part, but he had a waist like mine. I mean, he was, he was, he was, he was big, and then he was like, like wow, And so I'm getting ready to pray for him, and the Holy Ghost says, Hit him, in the, hit him in the chest as hard as you can. This is another one of those, you know, up in heaven before that happened. You know, Jesus said, you're going to want to come to the show tonight. <laughs> Peter said, who's on? It's Hockaday. Oh, my God, I'll tell everybody. What are you going to have him do this time? You see that guy down there? He's going to die. I'll get everybody. So the Holy Ghost said, hit him in the chest as hard as you can. And I thought, right. so I, I said, okay, I'll do it. But here's the deal. I got to tell him that. You can't just hit a guy like that in the chest as hard as you can without warning him. So I said, hey. And he looked down and he goes, what do you need, preacher? And he has this really big voice. You know. And I said, the Lord wants me to hit you in the chest as hard as I can. And then he goes, On one condition, preacher. See, I thought I was in charge. And it, and it switched so quickly. <laughs> on one condition. And I said, well, What's the condition? He said, If it doesn't work, I'm going to hit you back. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, You know, how do I get myself into this stuff? All I could think of was if I can catch him just right on the chin and knock him out. I'm going across town starting another meeting, you know, I'm just leaving." (laughs) So I said, all right, you dare me on that, all right, I'm going to give you everything I got. And I reeled back thinking I'm knocking him right off his block. And I laid in, I mean, I'm serious, you know, and I'm not like a a whip, I'm not the strongest guy here by any means, you know. But I mean, at least I'm not, you know, like a little, I'm not walking, I don't drink my coffee with my pinky up in the air. (laughs) So I just went, boom, and hit him as hard as I could, and this big thud right on his chest, and he just did not even move. He just looked at me, and I thought, that's all I got. <laughs> and he's just staring at me like this with big eyes. And then I thought, you know, I, I've been in this kind of situation before where you, you can't back down. That's where you got to push it further. So I stuck my finger in his face, and I just said, I Dare you, I just yelled it. I dare you to check it and see what God did. Check it right now. I just put my finger right in his face. He started to check it, and big old tears came off his face. He lifted his hand and said, glory to God. And when he did that, I grabbed my heart and said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so see, for a second, I thought I was in charge, and then it flipped. But with Alan, here he is asking, how are you going to do that? Oh, well, no, I got him. So I'm gonna mess with him for a while. So I'll see you tomorrow. I walked away. The next morning I came and here he is up on his cart holding on to the top of the cart like this and looking. And when I saw him looking, I knew he was looking for me. So did we have a runner? We got two runners. ¿Qué pasa? What's happening? I mean, they're running so well, they won't even tell us what's going on. (laughs) Let's let them run for a while. All right. So when I saw him looking for me, I hid, and I said, Kevin, don't let him see me because I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna mess with him. And so we played our golf, and at the end of the golf, I hid until everybody was seated at their, their tables to have lunch. And then I came out, and I saw where it was with all of his guys, and it was on concrete, and the chairs were aluminum. How you doing? I'm doing better. Hey, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why don't you just do the best? Go from better to best. Amen. So I saw where he was at. I walked up behind him, and I took my hand and put it on his chair, and I just popped that chair and pushed him and took the other guy, who I don't even know who he is, and popped his chair and pushed him, went over and grabbed an empty chair and dragged it on the concrete. Everybody stopped eating to say, who's this maniac that's making all this noise? And I pulled up and said, hey, Alan, I think now's a good time to tell you how I'm going to kill your cancer. And he's like this. See, what are you doing that for? Putting pressure on him to want to be in. So I started telling about Jesus, about the redemption, about him being on the cross taking our sin, our sickness, our disease. And when I was done, I said, well, I said, let's take care of this at your house. He said, what? I said, tomorrow after the tournament, I'm gonna come to your house. You're gonna come to my house? I said, yeah, be ready. And I got up, pushed my chair back, made a whole bunch of noise, grabbed his chair, grabbed the next chair, I said, how you doing? And pushed them back together and took off, walked away. (laughs) Is this your personality? No, it's what happens when you're just following God. You do crazy things because you just don't care what people think. I'm killing his cancer. Yeah. One thought, we're killing his cancer. How do you know it'll die? The life of Jesus will always kill cancer. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. That next night, I went to his house after we played the tournament, right before we had the banquet at the, at the country club. So we were all dressed up. I went in, sat down. His wife came and sat down with me, with us at the table, and I told him a story. I said, I was uh, at home, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, about 4.30 in the afternoon, somebody called from a church there in Tulsa and said, 'Uh, there's a, a young girl here that's 16 years of age. She's dying of leukemia. There is no hope. Would you come early to the service and pray for her in the back room? I said, I'd be glad to. So I I got myself ready and I went a little bit early and I went into that room and there's a whole bunch of ministers standing around, which then it just, I don't know, it just kind of irritated me that somebody else wasn't doing it. Like, I'm not not like the guru here. I mean, anybody could do this. And so for some reason, I just had that little edge on me and I said, well, let's get this show on the road. And her mom and dad are sitting there, she's sitting in the middle with some sweat clothes on and a mask on. And I said, who's got some oil? And the little guy that was next to me that brought me in, have you ever seen somebody when a phone goes off? And then, you know what I mean? They're trying to get it because they're so nervous because it's going off. They can't just nicely just grab it. Well, this is this guy. He got all nervous and he's in that pocket. I'm thinking, you got something in there? And he pulls out this little tiny oil. And I looked at him and I said, what is that? He said, it's all the way from Israel. It's got all kinds of spices. I said, man, go get me a pitcher. He said, what? I said, get me a pitcher. Well, the little guy went out there, and he got me a pitcher. He went to the, you know, to the uh, kitchen and comes back with a full pitcher of oil. He said, well, this too? I said, that's perfect. I grabbed that, walked that over to the grill, said, you see this right here? I'm dumping this on your whole head. I said, it's going to ruin your clothes. It's going to mess up your hair. I said, but forget about your clothes, because you're going to die anyhow. I said, this picture right here represents the power of the Holy Ghost. And I said, once it's poured on you and we say a prayer, you're going to live. She said, takes her her mask off. She said, I guess I won't need this anymore. I said, no, you won't. Poured that on her, said a little prayer in the name of Jesus. Power of God hit her three days later. She went back to the doctor, couldn't find a trace of leukemia. All gone. All gone. So I looked at Alan's wife and I said, Go get the oil. Just like that. She jumped up. She went out into the kitchen, and you hear this this cupboard, and this cupboard, and this cupboard, and this cupboard. And then she comes walking out with a bottle of oil. She said, This is all I have. I said, Well, give it to me. And I grabbed it, and I turned it around, and it was garlic oil. I said, This is all you got. She said, that's all we have. I said, I can't do that to him. We're getting ready to go to a banquet. He's going to stink to high heaven. So real quickly, you know, I just changed directions. I said, all right, here's another story. I said, I'm down in Ocala, Florida. I said, there's a lady, an old lady, older lady. Well, she's probably 85, 90, and she's in a wheelchair, And I walked up to her, and I said, "Mama, time to get out of that wheelchair and walk. Now, I I just said it really nice, PJ. I did. I said it really nice. I thought she'd just say, yes, sir, in Jesus' name. Just get up. She looked back. She said, I can't. I'm thinking, you're not going to ruin my healing line. So I said, yes, you can. And she said, no, I can't. And I said, but I said, you can. And she almost came off her chair, and she said, but I said, I can't. (laughs) What would you do? So I said to her, I said, well, where's God involved in all this? She said, that's a good question. I said, oh, my goodness, you're not even saved. She said, no, don't know anything about that. I said, well, give me your hand and repeat this from your heart. And God's going to save you, touch you, set you free, and heal you at the same time. I grabbed her hand. She grabbed mine. She said, Jesus. Of course, you know what she said. I accept you as my Lord and Savior Come into my heart. And I said, now, Mama, get out of that chair and walk. She jumped out of that chair. She took off dancing and spinning just like a (laughs) top, amen, and did this little dance right in front of the whole place, instantly healed. Amen. Amen. Never have smelled a Reese's peanut butter wrapper, and it smelled like an almond joy. Never happened. it. It always smells like the candy bar, right? Because the candy bar influences the wrapper, right? When your candy bar gets saved, your wrapper, which is your body, will also get healed at the same time. See, it just works like that. That's the life of Jesus Christ. That's what what Pastor Trenton was talking about, how that was their scripture. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, amen. It'll do what? It'll quicken my mortal. Well, how does it quicken? From the inside out. That's why people are being healed in this room right here, right now. Well, the the moment that that happened, I looked at Alan and tears were coming down his face. He said, I'm starting to feel him already. He asked Jesus into his heart. He grabbed his heart and said, I know he's there. Three days later, he went back to the clinic in Salt Lake City, and they said, there's not one ounce of cancer left in your body. (laughs) You know, one of the biggest lies of the devil is that he's behind everything. Another lie of the devil and deception is that he's the devil. Some scary bad dude that is going to get us. Because in all actuality, Isaiah tells us that when we see him for what he is, we're going to look at him and say, is this what caused nations to tremble and brought men to their knees? In other words, there will be a disdain coming from us to look at him and think, you got to be kidding me. That's what caused me to die of cancer and leave my family? All alone? Amen? That's what caused me to be broke and not have a dime to my name? That's what split up my wife and I and we got a divorce? you got to be kidding me. I've been played, and that's exactly right, see? Jesus whipped him. One of my favorite scriptures is when Jesus came out of the grave, he said, all power has been given unto me in both heaven and earth, which means the devil has none. The idea, the idea that he can make you think he's got something is one of his greatest tools of deception. To make you think it's something that you can't get away from. I'm telling you, thank God we are empowered by Christ to have the final say-so in our lives. Even Moses was told, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you may live. Notice there's no choice in death. There's no choice in the curse. There's no choice in life. And there's no choice in the blessing. The only one that has a choice is you. You get to determine the outcome of your life, not what the news media is saying, not what some virus is saying. You get to choose whether or not you get the virus or whether you don't get the virus, whether you're free or whether you're bound. This is the position of the church. When Christ comes to live in us, which is the great mystery of the church, now you have the hope of glory. What is the hope of glory? I'm hoping for the glory someday. No, that's not what it is. The hope of glory means now you get to use his glory. If he comes to live in you, the greater swallows up the lesser, and the glory of the resurrected and glorified Christ is now at your disposal to use as you choose. I was in Austin, Texas, and I got in front of a lady, and she was going to have surgery within a matter of four days on her knee. Power of God came on her. She instantly began to jump up and down and shout and holler, and she was actually, you know, bucking like a bronco and just, I mean, just enjoying the Lord, which was totally fine. We rejoiced with her. I went to the next person in line and said, what do you need? She said, this is kind of ironic, but actually I have an appointment uh, one day later than her for the exact same surgery on my knee. So I went over to the lady that's still going, glory, glory, glory. And I I said, hey, hey. And she, hey. And I grabbed her and said, hey. I I said, are you, it was a dumb question. I said, are you sure that you got your healing? I mean, 100% sure that it's yours? And then I had to shake her. I said, no, 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 just answer me. Don't shake. She said, yes, it's completely healed. And you know you have it? Absolutely. I said, can you give some of it away? And she just went blank. I said, can you give some of it away? And she looked at me and said, yeah, I can. I said, put some on her. She put her hand on that lady. Instantly, that lady was instantly healed. Both of them, perfectly well. And then they both (laughs) went. Remember what Peter and John said, such as I have, give I thee? Why? Because they knew they had something that they could release into somebody else. See, the whole idea of having the glory is so that we can use the glory on purpose. Amen. So there's somebody in here, praise the Lord, as far as your intestines are concerned, you've got some type of difficulty with the whole acid reflux thing. We're going to just start letting God touch some people for the next 15, 20 minutes, okay? Where are you in here you've had problems with your intestines, especially with digestion? Come on up here real quick, okay?